0: What opportunities are you missing out because you're busy doing other things or because you just don't want to deal with it? There's this great service called Help a Reporter Out, and they're a service that connects journalists with sources. So the journalists post queries of like, hey, we're looking for a cybersecurity expert to talk about whatever they have some question. But there's also a hundred other questions about, uh, you know, what kind of food should you feed your dog? Uh, how do paint colors impact your mood? I don't want to read through a hundred of these questions every day, but I can pay a VA a couple dollars an hour to go through the list for me and whittle it down to ones that are potentially interesting to me. So maybe there's a couple slip through that don't apply to me, or maybe they miss one that does apply to me. But I've taken that list of a 100 things down to a list of two or three that takes me, you know, 30 seconds, a minute to read and decide if I want to act on it. And it's like, okay, this opens me up to a new opportunity to promote my business with very little time investment on the front end for me.
1: Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 588. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so excited to have you here today. And I'm Super excited to have our guest, Chris Parker. Chris is the founder of whatismyipaddress.com. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might remember a few months ago, something scary in my house happened. And Chris actually, without knowing until we get to that story in a little bit, Chris, you gave me a lot of comfort. I just have to tell you that because I was able to use whatismyipaddress.com ipaddress.com to figure out what was going on and who was behind it. But I just want to thank you so much for being here today. And for those who haven't heard of you before, I would love for you to share a little bit of your journey, where you came from and how you got here, because I know it's such a fascinating story.
0: Sure. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited to always excited to talk with people who have used my website. There's a few of you out there, like six million a month or something like that. I wish I could say that my entrepreneurial journey started successfully, but uh, a couple of my first businesses were uh, absolute utter failures, uh, which I think is the which is true for probably most entrepreneurs.
1: I just spit my coffee because I was I I went on (laughs) mute, was drinking my coffee, and I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, that's me too." And I, yeah, my microphone is not decorated. (laughs) I totally feel that.
0: Well, I'm gonna like you know throw it all out there, and I'll throw out all my. My dirt and my horrible business ideas. Please. Well, I, don't, I don't think they were horrible ideas. I think they were great ideas. They, I just didn't think them through all the way. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the first business that I did was called DiscountBibles.com. I uh, was selling Bibles online, getting them from the uh, the main distributor, Ingram Books. And I was competing against Amazon, <laughs> <laughs> which this is back in the early days. This is back in the early 2000s. And... Had a little bit of success with it. Uh, I was working a full-time job and uh, on my lunch breaks, I'd be taking the boxes down to the UPS store, FedEx and postal service and shipping stuff out on my way home, picking up the new product that I was going to ship out, go home, pack it and uh, run credit cards and do it again. And the two things that I realized was I don't like packing boxes. I like having a life and this is definitely not scalable And so it was kind of a funny realization that, like, you know, I I came up with this business idea, but I need to do something different. And so I. Chris,
1: I'm curious how you even came up with that idea. And I I had to tell you, too, before you get into that, I'm just happy to hear that you weren't going to hotels, borrowing their Bibles and then selling them. So thank you.
0: (laughs) So actually, I was running a like a book table for my church. And so I was already in the, in the process of buying and selling books and Bibles and stuff like that. I thought, Hey, you know, I, I could put this online and it's, you know, I was a church going person. So I thought, ah, oh, this is, this is kind of right in my wheelhouse. It would be something interesting. And kind of that's how I got started with it. It was a horribly manual process. Mm-hmm. Like every credit card had to be run manually in a credit card software package. It was just utterly brutal. And, you know, automation was not involved in anything except. The website itself.
1: <laughs> I cannot even imagine. I do not want to imagine.
0: <laughs> it, was, it was a good idea, but not functional. And uh, unfortunately, my biggest order, talking about uh, stealing Bibles from hotels, my biggest order turned out to be a fraudulent order with a stolen credit card. And they wanted me to ship the Bibles internationally on a stolen FedEx number. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. They buy Bibles with a stolen credit card and a stolen FedEx number.
0: Exactly. What would Jesus say? (laughs) (laughs) I just never – like I had – at the time, I was working for a mail-order catalog company. It was – you know, just starting to go online and I was helping dealing with fraudulent orders. And it was to me, it was obvious on the computer side. Gee, someone wants to buy a one hundred thousand dollars worth of computers and ship them to Nigeria. That's a little fishy. Yet when I got my biggest order on my website, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm, I'm finally hitting the big time, not bothering to think it through and like, gee, this one order that's a month worth of business might be fraudulent. Yeah, that was, a, that was a bummer.
1: So did you ship it?
0: I did. I didn't know until afterwards that it was a fraudulent credit card. and a, I assume it was a stolen FedEx number. I, I never found out. But once the credit card charge came back, reversed by the credit card company, that was the, oh, gosh, that oh, this, this stinks.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine the owner, though, of the credit card seeing that the person who stole their card bought Bibles? I would just be so perplexed.
0: I cannot imagine it. It just, it blows my mind. Okay. We're talking down the horrible, horrible people route. I had a big sign on my truck that said discountbibles.com and my truck got stolen.
1: (laughs) Oh my heavens. That is so crazy. Like I, I had my credit card stolen once and well, just the number. I had only had the credit card for two weeks. Oh. And I see this charge come through for seventy five dollars at an ice cream shop. Like, I mean, I can imagine with my family of seven that we can go to Cold Stone and spend, you know, a good chunk of money on on that type of ice cream. But I'm like, what do you spend seventy five dollars on ice cream? Like, I just can't imagine. Ah. I guess, I guess, a few ice cream cakes, you could do that. Yeah, oh, wow. they,
0: they took all their friends out to ice cream.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, what was your next awesomely bad? Or maybe not thought out all the way idea.
0: Well, then I decided because I didn't want to deal with all the, the back end of doing Bibles, I created the Biblefinder.com, which used a database. So if you said, Oh, I want a blue NIV imitation leather bible, I could get you the right Bible. And but rather than ship it myself, I'll just send you over to Amazon and I'll get commission off of it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's totally scalable. I don't have to ship anything. I don't have to charge any credit cards this is really, really cool. Uh And uh, for a while it worked until Amazon, back in the early days, ran into what is referred to as a tax nexus issue. The state of California went to Amazon and said, you have affiliates in California. If you want to continue working with your affiliates in California, you need to start charging sales tax in California. And of course, back in the early days, Amazon goes, It was one of the big selling points of buying from Amazon is you you didn't have to pay local sales tax. So, Amazon overnight shut down every California affiliate of which I was one, and all of a sudden my business model no longer works because I don't have a way to fulfill the orders.
1: Now you have me thinking because they have gone, they have since gone back, right? Correct.
0: Yes, they have.
1: Because oh my gosh, I was just doing my accounting and I see all this. Tax from Amazon. I'm a frequent, I should have a frequent flyer card. (laughs) But yeah. Okay. Wow. But I want to ask a question about that operation. I mean, you were not manually connecting what they were searching for to where they could go get it, were you? Or was that all systemized and automated so that when they put a search in, your website or whatever system you had set up could do that for them?
0: It was all database driven. Okay. A couple of the Bible bookseller, the Bible publishers had databases where they had all this type of stuff in there. I thought, wow, this is really simple and easy to integrate. And, oh, you want an NIV slash King James version? Okay, boom. It would, you know, show you a couple search results for each one. I thought it was a really great idea until, you know, you can't fulfill the product.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So do you have any more awesome ideas? I still think they're awesome ideas.
0: I think there, yeah, I you know I think there are some ideas, you know. Obviously, one was ahead of its time. One was actually probably both of them were a little bit ahead of their time. Let's see, what else did I do that failed? I, you know, I've, I've tried a number of niche websites. I won't I won't bother that just, uh, you know, I, I spent uh, you know five ten thousand dollars building them and dumped five or ten thousand dollars of advertising revenue in order to make like ten dollars back.
1: Yeah, do you <laughs> want to hear my best story?
0: Absolutely.
1: I bought a scrapbooking magazine for my ex mother-in-law thinking I would give it to her for Christmas. And I found this little gadget in there to make die cutting tools. I didn't even scrapbook, but I wanted this tool and I felt bad buying it. it which is funny considering how much money, and I'm sure you can understand this, how much money we put into the tools for our business these days. I felt bad for this $50 purchase. So I was like, I need to make this back. So I started selling die cuts, handmade die cuts on eBay. For way too little money. I mean, these, uh, one little pack of pig die cuts took me two hours to make. And I was charging three dollars
0: for it. Oh.
1: So then I got contacted by a local craft distributor. Keep in mind, I'm not a scrap. I wasn't a scrapbooker. I still am not a scrapbooker. I think it's beautiful when people do it right. Some people don't. And. I got contacted by a local distributor, and they're like, yeah, we can sell you any of the physical products that you possibly want, and then you don't have to keep on making all these tools. I was like, that's a brilliant idea. So their whole catalog was online. This is like uh, 2006. I was like, well, they're in Michigan. I'm in Ohio. UPS can get it to me in a day. So why don't I just start going through their whole scrapbooking catalog and put it on my site? Well, I didn't think about the fact that customers are going to love it because they can get fifty different styles of paper, but they're only going to buy one sheet a piece. <laughs> so, <laughs> I quickly went a hundred thousand dollars in debt because Ugh. when they bought one sheet of paper, I still had to buy the pack of fifty. Yep. Yep, and what started as a innocent home business, taking up no space except for a bag of paper quickly took over my garage and then had to be moved into an office. And yeah, I'm still recovering from that.
0: I mean, that that was similar to me selling the physical Bibles in order to get the price discounts, the quantity discounts to hit the pricing I was selling it for. I had to buy a certain amount of units, not always the same Bible, but I had to order the same number, a certain amount of units in order to get the price discount. So I had to often buy more than what I had orders for hoping that people would come back and buy the extra ones.
1: Yep. I totally hear that. Oh, and the previous business before that was I would, I would go to, and this is about 2002. I would go to garage sales and yard sales in uh, Westchester County, New York, which were always really nice. And I would buy books and I would sell them on eBay and, and, Oh, by the time we left New York, I had about 18 boxes of books that i never sold. And I probably still have some of those boxes in my basement of books I will never read. But I thought, oh, I can sell this online. No, Kim. I mean, especially now when you've got half price books and other oh, well, in Amazon where you can buy used books. Actually, maybe I can still offload them. <laughs> I'm sure some of them are out of print. So how did what is my IP address dot com come to be?
0: It was actually uh, a solution to a technical problem I was having at my employer's office. We were having an issue with our internet connection and getting access to something. And uh, the vendor that we're talking with said, oh, what's what's the IP address of your your office? We were all like, I don't know. How do we even find that out? And so I went on AltaVista or Yahoo I think it was Alta Vista before Google existed to search and there was no easy answers. And I searched and searched and finally found a solution. I thought, wow, you know, I've got a, an always on internet connection at home. I've got an extra computer that I can turn into a server. Let me just make a little website that will tell people that. And that was what it was. You went to what is my IP address.com and it just showed the IP address, <laughs> no ads, no text, nothing other than that. And That's actually how it was for a number of years because to me it was very altruistic. Hey, this solves a problem, Mm -hmm. not even thinking it could ever even be a business or even a thought of a business, but it was like, oh, it just solves a problem. It's helpful for other people. And that's how it started.
1: Wow. That makes me think of Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income, with his green lead exam or whatever his site was. You know, he had a blog where he was helping people get through their their lead exam, and then all of a sudden, he after he lost his job, he realized just how much traffic he was getting. And wow, this can actually make me money.
0: That was the exact same uh, observation I had. It's at some point, I started getting alerts from my computer saying the hard drive was just about full. And I'm like, how could the hard drive be full? It's just a website. There's nothing else on that machine. Oh. It was all the logs of all the people coming to the website.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And that was kind of the epiphany of like, oh, Wow. I could actually start doing, I'm, I'm helping people. Let me see what else I can add to the site. And so I added, you know, I put an email address on there. Hey, do you have any questions? Email me. And so every night I would be responding to emails of people that had technical questions. And I thought, well, this is really boring. I don't want to keep doing this, right. As, a- answering the same question over and over and over. And then it became, well, let me put some you know, additional pages on the website with frequently asked questions. And then you know, so it reduced the number of questions I'd get, and uh, increased traffic even more because people were searching for those questions and finding the answers to them. And then uh, this great thing called Google AdSense came into being, mm. <laughs> and that is the beginning of the monetization.
1: That's amazing. So it's funny that you said about the technical issue that your employer was having because that was actually why I was just on your site a couple of weeks ago because I got locked out of my own site. I was not whitelisted on my site and it saw me keep on trying to refresh the page when I was building out a new page and it locked me out because it thought I was trying to hack it. So I had to go and again find out what my IP address was so I could give it to my hosting provider to, to whitelist me so I could get back in and keep on going. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. That's, I I love to hear like why people are actually using the site because for the longest time that was actually a in some sense a problem is I just didn't know why people were visiting the site. Yeah. So, and so hearing anecdotal stories like that, like confirms, okay, this is, this is the right thing that I'm doing. This is the, the right type of traffic. there are the right people that I'm trying to help.
1: Absolutely. And I, that's not even the best story that I have for you.
0: Oh, you got yes. another one. Awesome. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. This one is, isn't so happy, mm. but
0: now you're have, scaring me
1: Oh, in March. Uh, so just like, Almost four months ago, I have a, a virtual assistant job group on Facebook that, sort of like your website, I started never thinking that it would grow into anything, and... Now, six years later, it has 30,000 members and constantly growing. I mean, I've had to hire team members just to manage the group because I never intended to make a business out of it, just to be totally honest. And sometimes things get heated when there are overseas VAs or people looking for overseas VAs because I have to say American VAs can have their own thoughts about how much VA should get paid. And... I stepped into a disagreement because my rule, just the same as with my kids, is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And somebody did not like that. And I got six to eight death threats sent to my email. Oh. So, and they were very graphic, like what they would do to my kids and everything. And I ended up getting the police and the FBI involved because it was just very scary. But we ended up using your site to backtrack the IP address.
0: Now oh, wow. unfortunately,
1: there's ways that people can mask their i p yep, so I'd love if you have any ideas how we can go find the route because I still haven't figured that out, but it was just comforting. I have to tell you it was comforting to know that they weren't in my backyard.
0: Yes, I bet I've had a few of those myself, and usually it results out of confusion i people are visiting my site while they're doing research about someone they they think someone's hacking them, and they're doing research on my site, and they're monitoring all the network traffic into their their computer, and they mistake their own queries to my site and the answers as being me attacking them. And so I've Mm -hmm. gotten, I think probably the scariest one was someone who called and left a voicemail and basically said, my brother lives down the street from you in Tustin, and I'm going to send him over there to beat you up and kill your dog. What? And I was, you know, and I was just like, Uh, do I call the, like, that was like the first experience of that. I'm like, do I, do I call the police? I'm like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's real, but also I don't want to do nothing about it.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And of course I did a little research and found out the guy was in Florida and, Hmm. and so I was like, okay, I'm not too worried about it, but yeah, there's definitely, uh, You know when you you when you make yourself a little higher profile, unfortunately, it draws some attention that you don't always want.
1: Absolutely. Well, I had to tell you after that. Like when this, it was actually my 40th birthday when that happened, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? I'm turning 40. I want to celebrate, but now I'm dealing with this." And I was about ready to shut everything down. I was like, "This is getting way too real." You know, when people are telling me exactly what they're going to do to my kids and they're looking up my kids' names, I was like. No. And my husband, actually, he was amazing. He said, you know, the bigger you get, the more this is going to happen. So if you can't handle this, then you should just stop now. But you have to know that the greater your purpose gets, and the more people you're helping, the more it's going to happen. So either, and it was not what I wanted to hear at that very moment, but either grow some thicker skin, or yeah, give up, because you got to get used to it. And I was... (laughs) So what I ended up doing, you might really appreciate this, was I didn't give up and I ended up putting a paid product into the site or into the group, which has since made me some nice money. I was like, nope, I'm not going to shut down. I'm not shutting down this group. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. And look, I'm even going to start making money off of it. And I haven't gotten any more death threats yet. That's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, unfortunately, those are always mentally unstable people about out there and we just kind of have to be aware of it and deal with it when that happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So AdSense got introduced and for listeners who aren't, you know, aware of what AdSense is, can you give a little bit of perspective so they know what you're talking about?
0: Sure. Google AdSense is an advertising platform that Google created, uh, I think, in 2006, I think, Uh, maybe it was 2003, that allows website owners to put a very small amount of code on their website and Google matches ads with either the content of your traffic uh, was what it used to be. And now that they also blend in ads that are of interest to your users. So if somebody was uh, Googling for Nike shoes, they might come to your website. And even though it has nothing to do with Nike shoes, they might see an advertisement for a vendor selling Nike shoes because it's displaying an interest-based ad to them. So they either serve up contextually relevant ads. Your site is about cameras. And so they start showing ads for cameras or they start showing interest-based ads, whichever they think is going to generate more revenue for you. And it's all automated as a site owner. Once you're approved for the program, you just stick in a couple bits of code and you don't have to find the advertiser. Google handles all that for you.
1: Now I know this is not, you know, your business.
0: Are you still using Google AdSense? It's part of the mix. Yes.
1: Okay. So I have contemplated in the past and I, I've contemplated putting AdSense on my site, but I was always concerned about how it wouldn't necessarily be in line with what I was doing. What are your thoughts about when entrepreneurs should include or not include AdSense on their site? Or is there not a do not time? Does that make sense? I don't feel Uh, like that was at all eloquent.
0: I think it really matters on your intent. Uh And does it work with your business model? If you're – recommending products and services, yeah, maybe an ad, maybe ads work in there. If you are uh, primarily doing coaching, I'm not sure that it's, you know, necessarily in your best interest because it might start showing ads for competitors' coaching programs.
1: I love that response, by the way.
0: And it kind of matters depending on what your value of any particular person visiting your website is. If you have high ticket items that are maybe it's a, Uh, 10 or $20,000 a year coaching program, you probably don't want to be making an extra three to five cents off of an ad because the opportunity cost is just, is too big. You're going to send, potentially send your client to another website. In my case, I don't have a in-house product or service that I'm selling and I have extremely high volumes of traffic to me making that extra couple cents off of someone coming to the site actually works for me because I don't have this high ticket item and I'm not trying to sell a particular service to those users.
1: Absolutely. I love that. I'm thinking about my uncle back in New York who has a greenhouse. I mean, if he put AdSense on his website, they could be sending the people who are visiting his site to other greenhouses, which wouldn't be ideal. But if it was a general gardening blog putting AdSense on there could be sending people to, you know, seed companies or to local greenhouses or any other number of things. And that would be ideal because, you know, if they're not selling the products right there on their site, why not make a little bit of money from it? I love what you said about coaches, though. So thank you.
0: Oh, good. I I have one now, which is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this is totally organic. We have no idea where the conversation is going to go. But At what point did you decide in your business that you should get a coach?
0: Probably 10 years too late. Hmm. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. It's not that it was 10 years too late. I think in hindsight, I wish I had hired a coach much earlier, but I don't know that I was in the mindset to really benefit from having a coach earlier.
1: I can completely understand that because I had been there at multiple points. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community for only a dollar, you can jump in, get started and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. So I'm curious, and I'm just a very nosy person, I have to admit that. What do you have to do on a day-to-day basis in your business, or don't you? And if you don't, do you have other projects? Or I mean, you're a serial entrepreneur, so are you working on other things at the same time?
0: So what do I have to do and what I don't do? So I think that was one of the things that my business coach really started pressing me on early on. And I'll give the analogy that he did. He was on one of our earlier calls. He was asking, okay, so tell me about how your business works. What are you doing? How do you do this? How do you do that? And at some point, uh, I was like, I'm Superman. I do it all. This, it's just me. I've got no employees. You know, I have no obligations to anybody. It's just me. And he goes, oh, okay. So uh, how much are you paying your accountant? And I go, oh, no, nah, I don't pay anything for my accounting. I, I do it all myself. And he goes, well, I know how much your business makes in a year, and I know how many hours a week that you're working, so you're paying your accountant X dollars a month. How much experience does your accountant have? And I go, well, I, I, I don't have any professional accounting experience. And he goes, okay, so you're paying an entry-level accountant more than what a CPA would charge for the same work. Wow how is that smart business? (laughs) I was just like, Oh, I feel so bad. And so I think that kind of that framework has really helped me rethink a lot of how I do my business.
1: You just gave me a good slap. I just need to let you know that.
0: (laughs) Mind you, I still do all my own accounting because there's some aspects of my business. I'm a little bit of a control freak about it, but it really helped me along with kind of maybe it's just general productivity stuff I used to deal with all my accounting like, oh, I got a letter. Okay, let me – I got a a bill in the mail. Let me pay it right now. Oh, I need to send out an invoice right now. Okay, let me do it right now. And it was very driven by my vendors, driven by my partners, people who are billing me. And finally, it was like, well, no, I don't need to be doing it throughout the day, every day. But okay, on Fridays, I'm going to – you know, up until Friday, I'm going to pile up all my accounting stuff in a pile – and then on Friday, I'll sit down for like an hour straight and just crank through all my accounting all at one time in one little block of time. So it's of the same mindset. Uh, it's focused on and it gives me time to not be distracted by my accounting other times of the day or other days of the week.
1: I absolutely love that. Now, I need to tell you why you gave me a slap.
0: <laughs> sure. you Are you doing your own accounting?
1: Mm, yes. And I <laughs> As of the day of this recording, just this past weekend, actually finally got my taxes done two months late, people. Okay. And it took me all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday to get my accounts reconciled in QuickBooks. So we're talking a minimum of 16 hours and I know my billable rate. The crazy thing is that I had an accountant give me a quote to do this work for me and it was $500. Now, let me tell you that 16 hours of my time is not $500, not anywhere close, much more. But I didn't want to spend $500. And now that you've said that, I'm like, what a dope. You could have been doing about 30,000 other things that only you can do and would have made a lot more money.
0: Yep. Mm. So that's, I think, probably one of the key learnings I've gotten from my my coach is really starting to to look at all aspects of my business. What opportunities are you missing out because you're busy doing other things or because you just don't want to deal with it? There's this great service called help a reporter out. And they're a service that connects journalists with sources. So the journalists post queries of like, hey, we're looking for a cybersecurity expert to talk about whatever they have some question. But there's also a hundred other questions about, uh, you know, what kind of food should you feed your dog? Uh, how do paint colors impact your mood? I don't want to read through a hundred of these questions every day, but I can pay a VA in the Philippines a couple dollars an hour to go through the list for me mm-hmm. and whittle it down to ones that are potentially interesting to me. So maybe there's a couple slip through that. Don't apply to me, or maybe they miss one that does apply to me. But I've taken that list of a, a hundred things down to a list of two or three that takes me, you know, 30 seconds, a minute to read and decide if I want to act on it. And it's like, okay, this opens me up to a new opportunity to promote my business with very little time investment on the front end for me.
1: Absolutely. You know, I'm embarrassed to say that I do not open the Harrow emails just for that
0: reason. Because They're overwhelming.
1: They are. And I get – it's probably the same for you, just maybe not the same divisions or maybe you're getting multiple divisions. But I get two in the morning, two in the afternoon, and what, two at night? Or is it just twice a day? But I get uh-huh. one that's like the the whole list and then I get one that's specific for business. So. Yeah. It's at least twice a day. That's all I know. But I just.
0: I think I get the whole thing three times a day. Okay. And I was initially kind of poking around looking at doing it for myself and it was just so, I'm like, I'm going to spend like an hour reading this every day to maybe find a nugget once a week. This is not a good use of my time. Like I didn't even, there's some great nuggets in there and I've gotten some great opportunities out of it. But the initial thought of it was, oh, my gosh, I don't I don't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. But, you know, I've got someone who's happily providing for their family sorting through this for me. So I don't have to.
1: I love that. I love that. Listeners, if you have not heard of Help a Reporter Out, there will be a link in the show notes, which you can find at the dot com forward slash PP five eight eight, along with all the other resources that we talk about today. What are you most excited about, Chris, in the next 90 days?
0: So there's a project I have been, again, it's kind of a productivity thing. I'm a geek. So all my website is all hand-built. It's all coded by me. It's all designed by me. And that's really cool when it's a hobby. It even kind of works when it's a side hustle. But it doesn't work work really well when it's a business. For any new content to go up on my website, it has to go through me, and it has to be (laughs) Mm. (laughs) hand-coded, which means... If I've got, you know, multiple writers out there writing content for me, I'm all of a sudden in the in this spot where I'm doing busy work. This is not good use of my time, but I'm the only person who can do it just because I'm a, a victim of my own design. Right. And so I'm now having to to pay a substantially large amount of money to redo a very large portion of my website that will allow my writers to go in and actually uh, post content and update content without me being involved. And, uh, the goal is to get that launched before Q4 because I've learned don't launch anything in Q4 when it's ad driven because you don't want to mess with a uh, high earning season.
1: Yeah. I totally hear that. And I'm not saying good luck in a sarcastic way, but good luck because I know what a huge shift that will be. I mean, I, I put up my last blog article last night which published this morning and I don't want to do that again just because it takes time from me that doesn't need to be spent by me like I want my team doing it Yep. and I totally understand what that will mean as far as getting that off your plate my podcast was another one of those learning lessons where I realized oh my gosh Chris I don't know if you realize but I cut back from a daily show to a twice weekly show about a year ago and A year before that, I had been editing and producing all my episodes myself. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. On top of my client load. So when it got to be Christmas of 2017 and I realized, oh, my gosh, the bank account was empty. I looked back at all the time I had spent on podcast production instead of client work. And I was like, well, no wonder you were spending 75, 80 hours a week doing podcast production when you could have been outsourcing that. So thankfully, I found an awesome team. You know who you are, and I love you. But they've taken that off, and they run with it now. And it's just so much stress went out the door.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, I'm planning on launching a podcast later this year, maybe next year. And part of my requirements was finding a team that I could outsource the entire thing other than me being on talking with someone or, or doing my own, my own bit. Because I'm like, I, I can't take on more production work. I can't take on stuff that's not going to make me money. I can have a great conversation with somebody, but then I want to hand it off and not have to deal with it.
1: Absolutely. I don't think that a lot of people who launch podcasts think about, you know, really it doesn't take a lot of work to launch a podcast. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. But it's the work that happens after the shows are actually recorded. That is all the work, especially if you're going to do it right. And I know, I mean, based upon the work that you've already done on your site to get to where you are today, you understand search engine optimization. You understand how to drive traffic to your site. And when you launch a podcast with that goal in mind, to actually be driving traffic to your site rather than just slapping the audio file up, you know, (laughs) there's some serious work that's got to be done there if you want to do it right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: But I even do that with being a guest on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I have one of my VAs go out and do research on the podcast. I have got a company that does finds bookings for me cuz I don't want to slog through that. So the VA will get all the social media accounts for me, they'll listen to a few episodes, they'll tell me which episode I should listen to that'll get me the best feel for the host, you know, frequently asked questions that the host has so that I can reduce my prep time and also be really effective and help the host look good and uh, represent myself well. And then afterwards, you know, it goes back to the production team of social media posts and and all that fun stuff.
1: Absolutely. So I must have thrown them through a loop because I don't have those frequently asked questions. I just have the frequent (laughs) bloopers and typos. (laughs) No, I, I look to have a good time. So, okay, so you're, you're redoing parts of your website, but I want to go back to my earlier question with what is my IP com working and making you money. Do you find it hard to stay focused just in that rather than, you know, go back to your entrepreneurial, you know, your earlier days where you had multiple different businesses and not try to start another business or are you really good about that? Or do you have another business?
0: I have a number of other things that I'm in the, what iron's in the fire, I think uh-huh. is the expression, but the vast majority of time is spent on what is myipaddress.com It is the the vast majority of the, the revenue for me, but I realize just with my other sites that, you know, if Google comes along and decides we don't want you in the search results for whatever reason, that's going to be a massive hit to my business. Yeah. And, I, and I can't be reliant on just this one income stream. Uh-huh. I need to have other income streams in mind that they don't, you know, they don't necessarily need to be the same amount of revenue or scale up as quickly. But I think there needs to be a certain amount of diversification just so you just, at least for me. So I have that peace of mind that, well, if something bad does happen. It's not a total loss. It's okay. Well, at least there's other things that can cover bills in the meantime while well, I figure out how to ramp something else up.
1: Again, I love that answer. I actually just ran into a problem where I had all my eggs in one client basket. And there was a problem. And I quickly realized, and I hadn't had it in the back of my mind, this is not good, Kim. This is not good. And I was thinking, you know, this client could get into a car accident. Like, I don't like to think negatively like that, but I do like to be prepared. I was like, this client could have something major happen in their life. And then where does all my work go? I didn't expect things to happen as I did. And I am still working with the client, but it's become abundantly clear that diversification is very important. But I love how you said, you know, you know where your focus is because now it's become clear. I can't just be everywhere and every and anywhere. Like I need to be focused on the work that I'm doing, but the diversification is very important. So thank you. Yep.
0: Yeah. And for me, I'm just trying to reduce the amount of hours I have that I have, you know, an obligation to work or that I have my needs that if I can, you know, part of me is thinking along the lines of, well, if I can make $50,000 a year, more spend that $50,000 on someone who's working for me, but reduce my work by five or 10 hours a week. Hey, that's pretty cool. I've just freed up time to either pursue another project, spend time with family, friends, be less stressed out, exercise more. You know, there's, I don't want to be working 80 hours a week. It's not a, I've done that in the past and I don't want to do it in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. What are the most common reasons that you have found? If you've heard the feedback, what are the most common reasons that you've found that people visit whatismyipaddress.com?
0: The one that kind of surprised me initially was that people are verifying that their VPN service is working. And you're like, what the heck is a VPN service? So, like you were talking about earlier, People can hide their IP addresses and there's good motivations behind that. There's potentially bad motivations behind that. If you're living in a country where your government censors what uh, websites you can visit or not visit, a VPN allows you to get around that kind of filtering mm-hmm. in, in order. It kind of uh, anonymizes your traffic, routes it through a server in the United States when you're currently in I don't know, Iran, let's say, probably not. But if you're in China, that's probably a more realistic example for a lot of people. You're traveling in China and you still want to get on Facebook. Well, you kind of have some problems getting on Facebook when you're in China sometimes. Using a VPN service routes all your internet traffic through a server in the US, France, wherever you want it to be. And so that IP address that you see is, and the rest of the world sees when you're interacting with websites, is that server address not the IP address of your machine in China.
1: You know, that's really interesting because when I look at my podcasting stats, I have heard that there are countries that I probably won't be allowed to be listened to in, but those countries, some of them, North Korea is still not on the radar, (laughs) but (laughs) there are other countries that I was told, you know, they won't be able to listen to you, but they're still getting through. So you might be listening. With a VPN. And I want to congratulate and thank you for this.
0: And then lots of people use VPNs because they just don't trust their internet service provider. I mean, there's a number of companies that were selling. They can in a sense, they can kind of see what websites you're visiting, depending on your setup. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, well, I I don't want my ISP selling. You know, what websites I'm visiting, what I'm doing online. That's my business, not their business. They're there to provide me connectivity, not spy on me. And so people use VPNs for that reason as well.
1: Yeah. I can see that. Now, sort of related to that. Well, I, I don't know. You'll have to tell me how related to this. There's so much happening, especially in Facebook with their ads right now. And I don't know if Google is, it's experiencing these same, same things, but Facebook has become more rigid on how you can target your people when you're running ads I don't do a lot of Facebook ads so forgive me if I'm just sounding completely uneducated is Google that well I mean I know you're doing AdSense but for IP we're being pixeled by Facebook I'm totally aware so they're looking at the IP Mm -hmm. address
0: correct Uh, that and other things yes That
1: and other things is that how Google does it then as well
0: yeah, Google will look at your IP address, they'll cookie you, you log into your Google, your Gmail account, if you're logged in, they now associate all your surfing because everybody runs Google Analytics on their websites, they know what websites you're visiting, you use Google Search, they know what you're searching for, they potentially know what you're buying because you, people are using Google for conversion tracking, mm-hmm. so they can figure out an awful lot about you. And I don't know that Google allows the type of refinement on the AdWords side that Facebook does. I know Facebook, you could say, I'm looking for people who have, I want to advertise for the people who have the job title of this, yep. that live in this state, they make this much money, they're married, they have 3.2 kids, and they have a dog named Bailey. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which is a little bit scary.
1: It is, but it's also awesome at the same time. But when you're the
0: advertiser, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I say it's awesome because that's often who I work with. But I mean, I've, I've had issues working with like divorce coaches or relationship coaches where we actually have a lot of struggle putting up ads just because they're starting to crack down on how you can actually be messaging and they don't like that type of specificity in your ads, which I mean, it's tough, but there's yeah, ways around it.
0: I mean, think of this. You are, are married to someone and you get on the computer and it was their Facebook account that was open and you see ads for divorce attorneys. You're like, mm. is my spouse looking to file for a divorce? What's going on? <laughs> I, I
1: never get, even thought of that example.
0: I could think of it that way. It's, you know, it's, it's. I mean, I've seen it's the sort of things where people were looking for like you know drug rehab facilities and things like that they now start seeing ads for that do you want other people using your computer to to know gosh why are there so many ads for drug rehab well because someone else using the computer was searching for something related to that
1: wow and, and completely a lot more innocent is my husband was looking for a christmas present for me and thankfully he has a different computer than mine But all of a sudden, he starts seeing ads on his Facebook, and this was like seven years ago, for exactly what he had been searching for. So he was so panicked that I was going to get on his computer and see this. But I I honestly didn't even know about pixeling at that point. So (laughs) Yeah. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for, you know, just having... And I say this in the best way possible, the crazy idea of finding the solution that would help your employer, because I know just like me, you have given peace to a lot of people and a lot of clarity and helped people get out of their website or get back into their websites and a lot, a lot of other purposes. So thank you for what you're doing and, and what you've done and just keep being awesome.
0: Thank you. It's, it's been a blast running the website and it's kind of fun when you're, uh, can be altruistic and make money at the same time, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Where can, I mean, we know about what is your IP address Is there anywhere else that listeners can find you online and connect?
0: Yeah, sure. If uh, people are interested in kind of the online privacy, security and safety, they can always visit my uh, personal website, cgparker.com and all the social media and stuff is on there along with what is my
1: fabulous. Listeners, if you are trying not to burn dinner, if you're driving, or if you're trying not to fall off the elliptical, you can go to thekimsutton.com forward slash pp588 to find all the resources that we have talked about today. Chris, I just want to thank you so much again. You've you've got me thinking about so much right now, which is never a good thing. I don't know if you know, but I am writing a book called Chronic Idea Disorder. So sometimes these podcasts can be absolutely dangerous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I had a great time being here.
1: Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners?
0: How about a parting piece of advice for entrepreneurs? Please develop processes. Earlier this week, I had a support ticket where somebody was saying that a friend of theirs who is an accountant got a forged email from who they thought was their boss and ended up sending several thousand dollars to a scammer. And so we need processes, particularly as entrepreneurs of Thinking things through of like, well, before I set up a new vendor, before I send money to someone, someone needs to talk to me on the phone. Someone needs to get a a signed form from me so that I don't send all my hard-earned money off to some scammer.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.